0: Hallelujah. Come on, Beth. Get this party
1: started. That's right. Yeah. Woo! Father, I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. God, that you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear what the spirit is saying to us, Lord. That we would all have our own little aha moments in the spirit. Thank you, God. Yeah. Helped us to come out some sort of order. Uh, last April, uh, end of last April, my oldest nephew uh, got married, and uh, he's a worship leader a worship pastor at a church in Florida, and um, it's very fun. My brother was his uh, best man. And uh, this is my brother that has eight kids, and six of them are boys. So, the wedding party—you uh, know—we are going to populate the earth with bulls. So, the uh, the wedding the wedding party was large. It was, very, it was very fun, and we get to, we get to the reception, and um, there's the traditional best man's toast. And so my brother got up, and he began to give him a charge to carry on legacy. Needless to say, we're all in puddles. But he talked about that which he had received from our father, who has since gone home to be with the Lord, but that he wanted the bull's name to stand for something. Not in the way of being famous, but that when you think of it, you think about people that are lovers of Jesus. That was his charge, to his son. And uh, we're all going to leave a legacy of some sort, but what will it be? And... um, it got me to thinking, and I began just some things the Lord began to stir in my spirit. Not long after that, in the next month, I found out about this TV series that, you know, timing's everything, and two weeks after I found out about it, it was canceled, but <laughs> it was called, Who Do You Think You Are? And it's a, it was a series that had been going on for the last three years, put on by Ancestry.com. And they would uh, follow the ancestries of, you know, the heritage of famous people. So I found out about it, and I found out, you know, I watched a couple, and then it got canceled, so I found it online, and I watched a bunch. I was really fascinated by it. And I, I watched a bunch of them online before that became unavailable. But one of the things that really struck out to me was how how uh, really, what's the word I'm looking for, Uh, touched the people were when they found out about family history. And not just moved, but, you know, I remember uh, they had one on Sarah Jessica Parker, and her response at the very end of the program was, I always thought I knew who I was. And now I really have to reassess everything because some of the things that she found out. And they were good things. Um, they had one on Lisa Kudrow from Friends, and uh, her her ancestors had actually, uh, all of them but one who had escaped had been um, killed in this village in Europe during World War II. And so she had gone and, and saw this thing, and literally this village, they had been marched and, shot and sent into the you know, buried and I mean like just just transformational things that people did not know about where they had come from. And when they found out it really impacted them. Yeah, there you go. That's good. So I knew the Lord was speaking to me in all of this. And there's something in all of us that we we desire to know who we are and what our purpose is. It's innate in all of us and sometimes um, i want to show something a little clip here to demonstrate how sometimes we can be shocked when we find out the truth it's not working okay you ever anybody see the movie the princess uh, diaries that scene where she finds out she's a princess I mean, you cry laughing. But here she sits across from the queen, and the queen tells her who her father really is. And she's like, Wait a minute. If my father was a prince, that means I'm a princess? Followed by, Shut up. Those kind of revelation, that kind of revelation can really alter your life. Yeah. At one point yeah. in the movie she said, I spent 15 years I'm thinking I'm this person and I found out today I'm somebody totally different. But when we know who we are, it affects how we live. Right. Right. <laughs> Later in the summer, uh, it was right around the anniversary of my father's death, and I was just thinking about my family and about my dad and my mom and how grateful I really am for the upbringing that I've had. Now, no family's perfect, but, you know, my my parents, you know, they have four children, and we were all very active In different things. I was very active in music and drama. My other brother was in music, and my sister was in sports, and my youngest brother was in sports and in music and drama. I mean, they were very busy. They came to everything. Now, you think I'm exaggerating, but they came to everything. When I was in, when I, um, in fact, there was a little period of time where I actually was traveling. um, I was a young adult, and I was traveling full-time in music ministry, And I was going to be at my grandparents' church in Florida. So I show up and we do, you know, practice and, you know, uh, do our sound checks and everything. And I was going to stay with my grandparents since we were at their church. So my grandpa comes and he picks me up and takes me back to the house. And I walk in and I had not been to this particular house they were living in. So he's showing me around and he goes, and this is the master bedroom. And he opens the door. And there sits my family. (laughs) Including my married brothers and their wives. And they they had gotten in a Winnebago and drove 24 hours, came, spent Sunday with me, and drove 24 hours home. Crazy. Those are crazy people. I come from crazy people. But you know what, I was, as I was thinking about, you know, really the testimony of my family, I was thinking, when you're loved like that, it really affects how you live. You know, it affects how confident you are as a person. When you know that your parents are in your court, that they're there, that they love you, there's nothing you can do that will ever change that. I thought that was normal, and then I got to college, and I went to Bible school, and I met a whole bunch of people that didn't come from that. But in, in the really exciting part is, whether we have that in the natural or not, we do have that in the spiritual. That's right. We have a Father that is always there rooting for us. That's right. That's even when we screw up. I mean, I can think of plenty of times my parents were, hey, it was awesome, it was awesome. I forgot my lines. I hit all these bad notes. Oh, it was great. But they were rooting for me. They loved it because I did it. It was really all the qualification was. You did it, so I love it. So this, all this was stirring, and the Lord was speaking to me. Now, we all know what John 3.16 tells us right for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life now in the context of that verse uh jesus is talking to nicodemus and he tells him what you must be born again he says how do i how do i get this how do i what must I do? And he says, you must be born again. And he's like, well, wait a minute. I can't, you know, how do I do that? And he's born of the spirit. But there's a birth. And because of that birth, we're in a new family. So we're always talking about being born again. But then you get into Galatians. And Paul starts talking about the spirit of adoption. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm like, okay, so what is it? Are we adopted or are we born again? I mean, am I born into the kingdom or am I adopted into the kingdom? Which one of it is? Because in our culture, those are two very different things. But the answer to that question is, are we born or are we adopted is yes, in case you're wondering. So I began, to, um, I began to, to dig in a little bit to find out what on earth is Paul talking about, the spirit of adoption. What is that? Because it says in Galatians 4, 4 through 7, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship, because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So that you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Now, you read that verse, a lot of us know it. I mean, if you've read the Bible very many times, you've read that verse a lot. So he talks about Abba, Father, and then in the next phrase he says, we're no longer slaves. Okay. Why? Why does he talk about slaves when he's talking about sonship? Well, in the Roman culture in the first century, um, it, what, they would do this thing to, uh, of adopting sons, and in the first, just, just as a, you know, when you investigate first century Rome, I mean, they were a wreck. I mean, abortion was rampant. Infanticide was, by exposure, they would just leave children out in empty fields that they didn't want. Sometimes those children would be found and they would become slaves. Because of the abortion, a lot of times people didn't have heirs, and having an heir in the, in the Roman family, they had something called um, paterfamilia. And it's the, it was basically the father's the head of the home. And the father in that culture had all the power. I mean, the, he could basically do anything he wanted with his kids but because because of the culture at the same time that it was important to have an heir and it was important to look good and have a um, a peer you know because they were involved a lot of these rich people were in government and um, they were really the ones with the money that were involved in in the Senate and such that they it, it it mattered how they treated their families because they, they didn't want to look like bad guys, and they wanted heirs, and they wanted to carry on a family name, and there's all this involved in it. So sometimes if they didn't have, if they had, even if they had a son, maybe he didn't meet, meet up, I don't really know what were the grounds for it, they would find a son that was, you know, in a young adult, you know, like after he was into puberty, and adopt him to be an heir, specifically. Sometimes they would, they would adopt slaves for that purpose. Now, the interesting part of all that, and it was, it was really to carry on the family name. It was really to pass the power to. It was really all about having an heir, But in Roman culture, after the adoption happened, now there's a whole ceremony which, you know, isn't really important to get into. And there's lots of detail if you want to get into it. I mean, I've read tons of things. But the bottom line is, after the adoption, the adoptee lost all relationship to his old family. All family relations from the past were done away with. Now he had rights and privileges of being in his new family. The adoption, the adoptee became an heir to his new father's estate. And depending on the wishes of the father, he could even have a higher rank than his born children. Now if you think about that, Galatians 3.29 tells us, If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Paul was communicating something with the spirit of adoption. He was trying to make them understand the completeness and the totality of going from darkness to light, of the, of the, of the change that had really happened to them. The former life of the adopted person was completely wiped out, legally. Legally, their past no longer existed. I mean, this spirit of adoption is a whole, he's, he is bringing to them, trying to illustrate to them their relationship with Christ in legal terms is what he's doing. All their debts were canceled. Any money they owed anybody they were given a new name it was as if they had just been born the adopted person was regarded as a new person entering a new life with no past wow. Wow. think about that i'm sorry for those who want to hang on to the old man but he's not there anymore right
0: that's right <laughs>
1: yeah In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Paul tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. In the eyes of the law, the adoptee was literally and absolutely the son of the new father. (laughs) And the legality of this was such that, you know, if you know any kind of... uh, this happens in in some places but you they you could disown your own kids and say I, I you know you i'm you're no longer my son but once this adoption had taken place the bonds could never be broken you couldn't it was legally binding until death when 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 Paul brings about the talks about the spirit adoption, it's not a lesser thing. It's to bring greater understanding of our legal standing in Christ, because the they the, because of this, potter I can't remember what I was trying to think if I had written it down somewhere, but it, it basically talks about the power of the Father, patria. Protestus. Somebody out there who knows Latin probably knows I didn't do that right, but it's okay. The power of the Father. And when you were an heir and you received the power of the Father, I mean, you received, it was as if you were him. I mean, it's not just I'm his kid. Legally, it was like he walked into the office when you when you signed papers when you sealed things when you made deals it was as you were doing it as him you know the whole thing of identifying in scripture where it talks we've been crucified with Christ we have to get this and it's a very eastern kind of thought process and it's very hard for us to understand But when Jesus died on the cross, he died as me. And when it says we identify with the crucifixion of Christ and his sufferings, we identify with him because he did it as us. When he took the stripes, he took them as us. When he died, he died as us. And now, because of the spirit of adoption, we live on earth, as him. Right, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Good. Yeah. laughs> Romans 8, starting in verse 14. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. You know, this is just my opinion. But, I mean, it's not like creation doesn't know we're here already. So, what does that mean? I mean, we're here waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. It's waiting for us to get the revelation so that we start acting out of who we really are. Because when we do, it changes everything around us. Then we can speak to the wind and the waves. And when there's a hurricane bearing down on you, you can talk to it. You don't have to just hunker down and run for your life. The, in John or Luke 15, it talks about the prodigal son. But there's something in here that that I, I as I read it through again, you know, I'm going to focus on something a little bit different. But there's these are two sons. So you know, it's not like one is a heathen. There's are two sons. One takes his inheritance and squanders it, but when he comes back. We've all heard the story and how he's received. But if you think about how he's received in terms of what we know now about adoption and the legal and the power and all the the power of the father and all that he has that he can can basically has the power to, not that they would ever do this, but they had the power that they could put their own children to death. I mean, they had ultimate power. They had ultimate power, legally, over their family. But when the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Now, this is more than a party he's, flo- he's throwing and more than just giving him a nice clothes to wear. When he gave him the ring, that signified complete and total restoration. He gave him the authority. He walks down the road after squandering his inheritance, and God gives him the authority back. You can can function. I'm not withholding it from you. He he was given the power to function as the son. He wasn't tormented or punished or said, well, you had it, but no more. He he was embraced completely. He was legally accepted completely to be an heir and to function fully as the son. The level of restoration here is beyond anything that we really can comprehend apart from the Spirit. Because there's nothing around us, you know, anytime you're trying to do analogies or, I mean, there you know, there's no such thing as a perfect analogy. You know, they always come up short somewhere. But after the Spirit, we have the Spirit of the Lord living within us. Yes. And because of that, He allows us to understand things that are really beyond understanding. But the restoration means he was fully restored. We are sons of God, and I, I refer to just, look, we're all sons of God, whether you're female or male, and we're all the bride of Christ. So if I don't do the son-daughter thing, don't get all out of shape. Okay, just how it is. We are all sons of God by birth, and we've received the spirit of adoption. To carry on that which Jesus demonstrated and more was the promise. You know, when when crisis comes, what you really believe is what comes out. We, we have to confront the fact that even though we have made mental assent to a lot of this stuff, that in reality, it's not really what always comes out when the rubber meets the road. We have to, and I've been crying out for months, I am nowhere near getting this. God has been speaking to me about this for months and months now. But to really have an understanding of what that means, that we are heirs, we, are, we have the spirit of adoption, that we can, when we lay hands on the sick and pray for them, Look, you're functioning as his representative. You're functioning as him. When an ambassador is an amb- ambassador for in another country, he is our government to that country. And has all the power of that government. We can't it's we are not slaves. And when we pray, we shouldn't pray like slaves. We should pray like sons. That when we lay our hands on the sick, be healed in Jesus' name. We don't have to beg for hours. We are not slaves. Now, I know that we're working through the revelation, but we have to press in. We have to press in and cry out, God, I need this revelation. I need this revelation in my life. So when I pray, it sounds like I'm a son. Not a slave. Good. When when the heat gets turned up, I don't function like a slave, I function like a son. Right. When you're given the keys to the business, you got the whole deal. You get to go in and open it up and do whatever you want. There's so much more. We can say all this stuff, but the bottom line is, and I know this for my own self, I need a revelation so that my life leaks yeah. and looks like Jesus. And it's not, I'm trying, I'm working, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm doing it. It doesn't mean that we don't ever mess up. I mean, look with the prodigal son. And he came back, and he was like, it's all good. I forgive you. Let's move on. You've still, got the, you've still got the full power of the government of heaven behind you. What do we know as I close this up? We have to choose to embrace who we are and pursue it. And not make excuses. You know, that that Princess Diaries movie, there's a scene at the end of the movie where her grandmother comes to her and she tells her, you know, I believe in you. And the the granddaughter is like, I'm so sorry, I screwed up, and I'm not meant for this. You know, I, I can't do the princess thing. It's just not in me to do it. And she's all planning on running, and she finds this letter from her father. And in the letter, he talks about courage. And he talks about courage, that it's not a matter of, yeah, sometimes we're afraid. But what do you do with that? Do you let it define you? Or do you say, okay, I'm afraid, well, I acknowledge that, and then I move on. and she reads this thing and she about who she really is that it's in her dna whether she feels it or not she reads this letter from her father that says you are my daughter yeah. that it's in your dna and that you can do this and it changes everything one word from the father changes everything yeah. Yeah. Good. And she embraces it. And she goes and says, I forevermore will be. And I don't remember that because there's tons of names. (laughs) But what do we know about who Jesus declared himself to be when he was here? He walked into the temple and he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the people. and has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and the recovery of sight to the blind to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Hallelujah. That is who we are. Right. That is who we are and what we are meant. That's our purpose. <laughs> now it fleshes out differently for all of us. You're going to declare freedom to the captives in business or you're going to declare it in the educational system or you're going to declare it in the arts you're going to declare it somewhere because that's who you are and that's what your purpose is but we need a word from the Father this morning because one word from the Father changes everything so as I close this I pray I want to pray for all of you and for myself. <laughs> good, good. So let's stand. You, Man. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that you've gone to such extraordinary measure to reveal yourself to us and to reveal ourselves to us, (laughs) who we're really supposed to be. Father, I pray that in the midst of all that's been said and done, that we would hear the Father's voice, that we would receive the revelation of what it means to be a son of God. Not what we think it means. Not what we've interpreted it mean. But what it really means. Not what we're comfortable with it meaning. Because the truth. Can be quite uncomfortable. Father I pray for revelation this morning. Of the spirit of adoption. Of our sonship. And what that means. Lord, that we would be radical demonstrations of you on the earth. Yeah. Of seeing captives set free, seeing the recovery of sight to the blind. Lord, to do what cannot be done apart from you. As sons, we are called to do what looks to be impossible. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that we would embrace our identity in Christ and all that it means. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Oh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If the prayer teams could come up, please. And if you need prayer, please come and get it. Yeah. And have a wonderful afternoon.